cliffcentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs here on Cliff Central. It's so good to be with you. Today we are going to have a very interesting conversation around this idea of e-commerce. Now, we had a similar conversation about two years ago where I personally thought, wow, this is the the moment for e-commerce, for uh, businesses and entrepreneurs who want to work in the space. But over this last now, 24-month period or so that we um, have been waiting to see it rise, it, it doesn't seem to be gaining traction here in the country. Uh, Justin, you're in the e-commerce space. Is this, is this right or wrong? Am I right or wrong? And I'm okay with being wrong. <laughs> Thanks very much. So um, you asked me to introduce myself. So I'm the CEO of a business called ParcelNinja.com. We're an outsourced warehouse and distribution business focusing on e-commerce and e-commerce implementation. So when guys have challenges around their distribution of product, they come to us and we do all of the sort of management and distribution of their products for them, obviously focusing on e-commerce. Yeah. So just to come back to your initial question regarding the success of e-commerce over the last 24 months, or rather, from your opinion, the, the lack of success, I think it's, I think it's a, a nuanced question to to answer and, and okay. it can take a bit of it probably needs an in-depth review but I think that in certain areas or aspects or channels and um, sorry let's call it verticals e-commerce has done really well in South Africa and in others not so well so let's just take a comparison so we say if we look at maybe the grocery retail sector in South Africa we have a look we've still got the likes of a pick and pay yeah we've still got a Woolworths and they're still doing their thing in a grocery retail we haven't really seen a spa or checkers or one of those guys come online. Sure. So from that aspect, we could probably say that, listen, the industry hasn't taken off as well as it should have. But then at the same time, the fact that the Woolworths and the pick and pays are still here means there's something happening. And I can, and I can comment and say that the, I know that the guys at pick and pay are investing heavily in this sort of sector. So they must be seeing something happening there. So while it might not have taken off as well as everyone thought or anticipated, there's definitely some action in the space and there's definitely something happening. Um, I guess the retailers don't always disclose their figures from an online sales perspective. Sure. So you'd have to surmise or guess what they're doing. But they must be doing something that they're putting a lot of effort into it. So that's from a grocery perspective. If we take a look then at, let's call it general merchandise, or, um, you know, like your, let's sort of white goods and generic sort of products. Yeah. Um, we have like effectively two big players in that space. We have the Take A Lots. Sure. We've been around for a while. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they're, they're investing heavily in both the distribution side of things together with, um, investing in their, their warehousing and their, their product mix. And they seem to be doing quite, quite well from a revenue perspective and getting scale and are investing heavily in the business. I mean, when last I had a look, I think they had, 40 vacancies or 30 to 40 vacancies in their sort of um, technical department. Sure. And if you're looking for 30 to 40 programmers, you must be, you, you must you be look, doing something right. Well, you're looking to build a sizable business in that space yeah. or invest heavily in technology or use that technology to leapfrog the existing bricks and mortar stores. And at the same time, there's also a, a relatively small player in the online retail space, which is actually becoming quite sizable. And those are the guys at Macro. Yes, yes. And I'm sure you would have noticed over the last year that Macro has not been messing around. And and just to just disclose, I mean, we work with Macro in a number of areas in the business. Okay. And they have definitely got the appetite to do something in e-commerce right. And they definitely seem to be getting there. Mm. And if we can look at the December or the, the Christmas shopping sort of Black Friday sort of um, experience, there's definitely been movement for, uh, of customers from like traditional bricks and mortar to the online space. I mean, if I, I guess this is this is maybe anecdotal, 
But just to speak to your friends who did their shopping online this year, good point. Is mm-hmm. something compared to two years ago? There's something there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact, I don't know any. None of my friends actually went and bought product um, in the normal bricks and mortar stores. Interesting. Everyone yeah. was shopping online. And then when you add the Black Friday component to that, which was driven heavily online, I think that it took a lot of so a lot of money out of the sort of retail space on that Black Friday slash Cyber Sunday sort of period. And there was definitely a huge uptick year on year from a Black Friday perspective. But are we are we still early adopters though? So are we still are we still stuck trying to capture an audience that are are. are Keeping up with what is what is perhaps, I can't say perhaps. I've got some research right here in front of me that says it's not perhaps, um, and we'll look at that in a moment. But are we still trying to look or trying to gain access or control of a market a market that is quite small here in South Africa here locally? What, are we early adopters? That was my original original question. Are well, we still there? Well, I think that, that when you talk about early adopters, I wouldn't uh, let's just break it down within South Africa. I think that myself. Um, obviously, sort of, let's just call it cutting edge, bleeding edge, early adopters. I like to try out new things. And so I've been shopping online for a number of years. But at the same time, I use like my mom <laughs> yep. as a barometer of the industry. Yep. And when my mom was willing to buy stuff online, then I think it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream. I mean, she doesn't bank online yet. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I probably don't want her to bank online, funny enough, sure. <laughs> from a sure. risk perspective. But from a... um Retail perspective, she's quite comfortable actually putting her credit card number in and buying something online. Okay. So I think those, the days of being nervous about online are over. Now I think the challenge is really about how to access that sort of middle class or that up and coming middle class and give them products that are relevant to them. Mm. Because there's, there's no point in offering sort of, uh, let's call it highly aspirational goods online, um, at, at decent margins when, when that's not actually what the people are asking for. So I think the, the challenge is for, for the retailers to get the product mix right. And at the same time, let's also remember that not Every product is well geared for online. In other words, you can't sell everything online. There's only a, you've got to remember there's a cost of distribution. Yeah. And so small or cheapish products within the South African context are not well suited for online. In other words, if you have a product that costs 30 rand and the cost of de- delivery is 50 rand, that's probably prohibitive. Yeah. And the guys aren't going to be shopping online. So the, the real question is how do you solve those sort of problems as opposed to, as opposed to, um, trying to get more people to shop online. So how do you make it more accessible to everybody else? And I think over the last bit of time, we've seen these pickup points developing and um, pickup points from like, uh, let's call it PostNet or these boxes that you see around together with, uh, there's a company called Pargo, which do delivery to like clicks and another other place, another other sort of shopping centers. And so there's, there's solutions being developed that are going to be relevant to help lower their cost of distribution. And once that sort of starts picking up pace, then I think people will be willing to shop online a lot more. And at the same time, don't forget, online has one very convenient factor we find is that you can, can compare prices to get the best deal. Yeah, you know, you're right. So when you're comparing the best deal for people that don't have a lot of cash or large disposable income and they're getting cost of distribution that is incredibly low, then it's a compelling offer for them. But when you're trying to sell these guys Rolex watches all that, that's not going to work. Mm. So let's put our, ourselves in the shoes of, of a very early stage, maybe even at idea stage, entrepreneur who wants to sell something online. Uh, just talk us through, from your experience, what kind of market do you need to be profitable? Of course, that's going to be uh, specific to their product and these kinds of things. But what's the numbers? How many people do you need coming through your system? How many people are you, are, do you need to be converting in order to actually 
make cash. Make cash, yeah, exactly. Well, I think I think a lot, a lot of the guys that start these online businesses don't start online retail businesses to make a lot of money. They start it because they're quite passionate about a particular product or a particular sector or a particular sort of or have a, have a different reason for doing it. Okay. And I think that that's inherently what where we see a lot of these sort of mom and pop online retail businesses. It's a lot of people that might have a bit of spare time. Um, they like a particular product, and they, they want to and they want to surprise the lot, inform other people about this product. And so they're great at buying products and selling products. What they're bad at is actually getting the products to the people. Sure. And at the same time, you've got to be realistic of your expectations. So if you think that what you're going to be doing, you're going to be making paper mache dolls <laughs> yeah. and selling them online and being the next billionaire, you've got to sit down and just assess the situation, be realistic of what you're doing. At the same time, you can't be a take-a-lot. You can't be selling the same things that take-a-lot are selling or a loot or a macro because you don't want to be selling the same products that they're selling because they have a better distribution network than you. They've got a larger customer base than you. They need to make less margins than you. And so where I think the opportunity is, is there's, there's, there's markets in these niches yeah. and there's gaps in the markets or the markets in the gaps, I guess. And that sort of approach needs to happen. So in other words, Try to find something that is niche enough where you can make enough money off it, but also, uh, so you can make enough margin off it, but also there's a little bit of scale there so that you can at least <laughs> make decent, make money every month. And, and that's what we see is that we see that the guys that are doing a little bit better start out with one or two products in a particular niche sure. and they expand from there as opposed to going with this big bang approach. And at the same time, I think gone are the days that you need to hire a development team and a marketing manager and sure. a Google PPC sure. expert. And all of that information is freely available online for you to research. And if you actually want to be a business owner, you should be reading about this sort of stuff. You should be reading about this stuff more frequently and learning about it. So when you do launch your business, um, you have a, you have a little bit, of, a little bit of knowledge around these sort of products because they're so core fundamental to your online business. If you don't know Google PPC, if you don't know Facebook advertising, if you don't know Google analytics, you can have a serious challenge running the business. Sure. So before you even start the business, I think you need to do a bit of research and learning about the tools that are accessible and out there. And this is all available online. The next thing is you don't need to go build a technology stack or technology. It's not a tech business. You're selling products. So you can go get a Shopify or a Magento or a WooCommerce or one of those freely available platforms, get a theme from somewhere, pay the $29 a month and actually have your business online and set up. And it'll take you literally a week. It, it can, and it really can. It really can take less than a week. In fact, uh, it can take a few hours. It's really, really not difficult to do. So I think that, that 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 between getting the product mix right, setting up your website and getting that all together, that's relatively simple. You dump, you take your products, you send them to me and I'll handle the distribution for you if you need. But Really, after that, it's about the marketing and understanding how to find customers and sell the product at the right price. And from there, you can start learning a few things and, and, and understanding. And there's enough. At the same time, there's enough knowledge online. There's enough user groups get together on a monthly basis. You can find the people in South Africa that will help you with online. So let, let's let's talk quickly. So you've really bridged the gap with uh, Parcel Ninja. You, you're not an e-commerce site but you come in on the e-commerce back end to assist and support. Uh, I guess, let me ask it this way. It's your business to try and help e-commerce businesses do good business. Is that accurate? Correct. So, so we charge on a pay-as-you-go model, which means that the more you use us, the more we charge you. In the same way, like you said, it's, we're completely aligned with these retail businesses, which is if you sell lots, we will make money. If you close down, I'll make no money from you. Yeah. So it's not in my interest to charge the guys a lot of money 
um, with fixed costs. It's all a variable, co- variable cost model, which means that it's far more flexible for the users. At the same time, that's what we identified. We identified that in this e-commerce space, you think that credit card payments are sorted out, marketing's done already, as I said, with Facebook, Google, etc. The platform is developed with Shopify, Magento. The last component that we see with all these e-commerce guys is they actually have a challenge distributing or getting products out there. And we said, that's an opportunity for us, for us to help improve this entire customer experience and help all the small to medium-sized guys actually have world-class logistics. And the only way to do that is to actually invest a fair amount of money in systems, processes, warehousing, etc. And they don't have the cash. So we set out to raise money and go build a world-class warehouse where everyone can have a little piece of that warehouse and make use of it. So what has been your biggest challenge in the last period where we haven't seen you, but we've, of course, followed you, seen a little bit of growth? What has been your your biggest challenge from – and let's go with an interesting question, which is the, the e-commerce um, – Connection quest uh, issue. So, uh, with your between you and your clients, what what have been what have been some real challenges for you? Well, I guess we see we, we do logistics for for around fifty e-commerce sites. I think we we quite aware of what's happening in the industry, and we also understand the challenges that are happening with with a lot of these smaller businesses. This year, um, at the same time, we do distribution for for large organisations. I mean, if we take a look at our business, I can only talk to our business. Um, We've seen a lot of the smaller guys get bigger, but they're coming off a very low base. Yeah. So, so it's, I'm not going to say it's, it's material, but it's not as material as we would like to be in the business. At the same time, we've seen, um, a number, let's just say, let's call it consolidation in the, in the, the online retail space as well. When I say that, I mean, uh, let's call it consolidation. We could say, um, businesses leaving. In other words, a like Groupon. Sure. So, I mean, people, you hear a lot of press around, they go, oh, Groupon, you know, they weren't doing well. That's why they were closed down. That's not the case. The guys that ran Groupon were very competent. And the reason why the business was closed down was because the USA operations, um, decided that it was not core to what they do and it was effectively mandated from overseas. Mm. So, so they were told, listen, I think Groupon closed 16 regions. So I think South Africa, Israel, and a number of others. Sure. And, and that was mandated from the top. So they were actually doing quite well in South Africa. They were actually profitable, and they were doing volume, funny enough. Mm. So they actually had a sustainable business that was doing well. Um, at the same time, we see a lot of smaller guys in South Africa have actually had a far harder time at the same time. So, so we see that the, that, that the small guys, I think, are having a toughish time. Um, there's an opportunity because Groupon left, so there's a bit of a void there for, sure. other, for other companies to fill. And I think like Daddy's Deals and those guys are going to probably step into that space. And there's another business called Harperly, which is also doing quite well. But in general, I think that the small guys are finding it quite tough in the industry because it's, it, it, I guess, like when there are macroeconomic factors in play, which is like general country growth or GDP growth, I think it's difficult for small guys to do well. Um, and I think some of the bigger Oaks guys are also probably having a bit of a hard time. I think, I think e-commerce is actually difficult. Make mm. no mistake. It's not a, it's not a silver bullet to saving your business. And it's not something that you can just do on the side easily. It sure. actually requires a bit of dedication, a bit of thought, and you've got to be <laughs> quite savvy. And so the guys that are quite naive about this whole process, we see having a hard time. Sure. And, and the clever guys, they do okay <laughs> at this point. Well, and I hope it's uh, it's exactly that. Just at this point, let's go into and we were looking at this uh, off air. We have a, a table here. It was it's been released by Yahoo Finance. Uh, it's it's really just a comparison table between 
brick and mortar retail uh, the retail market and then the massive the big player uh, Amazon and how a a Best Buy, a J.C. Penney, Macy's, Nordstrom's, Target. Uh, yeah, exactly. They are all struggling here. Uh, they all are. Uh, there's. So let me just read one or two here. In two thousand six, J.C. Penney's market value was eighteen point one billion dollars. Today, it's three billion dollars. Uh, Nordstrom, twelve twelve point four billion. Today, nine point eight. Target, fifty one point three. Now it's forty three point eight. So. We've, all we're seeing is neg- a negative growth trend here, um, negative value. But then right at the bottom of the list, which is, of course, the point of this, and we'll share it online as well, is Amazon 2006 was valued at $7.5 billion, now $351.8 billion. Uh, that's uh, 1,000, uh, 1,910% growth. That's what they have here. Um, how do we compete against Amazon? Can we compete against Amazon? Uh, this is a this is a giant. This is. Can we consider them a monopoly? I think what the, if we look at the, uh, I think what they're, they're saying is they want to see 2017. If Amazon can become one of the first trillion dollar businesses in the US, well, uh, the first trillion dollar business. Yeah, unbelievable. Which is interesting. And I mean, don't forget, Amazon has a few aspects to its business. It's not just the Amazon. There's Amazon, there's the AWS or their web services business, which is the biggest, uh, let's call it cloud-based computing business in the world. I think if you take the next nine competitors in the cloud sort of environment, and add up their, their, their sales. They don't even come up to what Amazon does, to give you some idea. Um, and at the same time, Amazon owns a number of other businesses with Zappos and Darpers and a few others. So they, they, I'm not going to say they're diversified, but they have a few other interests. Obviously, pale in comparison to, to the Amazon. But I think what's interesting about Amazon is that, that, that while they are a, a online retail business, they're also a tech business. They're moving into like drone delivery. Amazon sure. Echo, yeah. and a number of these other things that we don't even see, touch, or hear about within South Africa, and they are heavily funded, well funded, and they've got money. And I think that's what's interesting in what's what's happening in the U.S. context is that they identify that this online retail business is only getting bigger, less people going in traditional retail businesses, and they're not sure what's going to happen. If we can say that, is Amazon going to launch its own online retail uh, physical retail distribution network? People saying they they might. And what they're doing is they're discounting these other companies because they don't have the same sort of aggressive slash technology DNA built into these businesses. And and the guys at Amazon are just going hard at this. And I think that, that while in South Africa we don't have an Amazon equivalent, I think that the take-a-lot guys um, with their heavy focus on tech and technology and, and systems and those sort of things might evolve into something that, or the equivalent within South Africa or Africa. And it's up to um, the, the macros and the likes of other retailers to sort of identify this early and deal with it appropriately. Look at that. So, uh, but uh, I guess back to the question, which is, uh, can you compete? Uh, uh, we, you, you introduced take a lot into, into the equation and can a, a small can just a, a, a niche retailer compete? Well, I think, like I said initially, is that I think if you're going to compete, you're going to compete in the niches. I think that's important. And at the same time, if you're a distributor or, you're, or you found a great product from overseas you want to sell in South Africa, Takealot has a marketplace, which means that you can sell your products on Takealot. So, so gone are the days of only worrying about you know your own website and selling there. I think people need to be aware of this sort of multi-omni-channel approach, which means they take your product and sell it on multiple places. Sure. Sell it on Takealot, sell it on Biddlebuy, sell it on Macro, sell it on your own business, sell it on Facebook, and have 
a number of channels selling your product because that will give you the volume ultimately. So, so don't see these guys as necessarily competing depending on what you do in your business. Sure. See them as a channel. A channel will let them help you grow your business to a degree. Is that, is that a smart way to perhaps go about the e-commerce thing is to create a channel? I mean, it's going to be difficult. You have to then have reach. You have to have a certain kind of audience or footprint. Uh, it depends what you want to do. In other words, if I went to the U.S. and I found a particular product that I thought was going to be amazing in South Africa and I wanted to sell that. But in order to test it out, I wanted to sell, I wanted to buy a small quantity from the U.S. and sell it in South Africa. I'd start by selling it on Take A Lot. Yeah. I get, and bid or buy. Get the product and put it out to market and have a look. If they have a challenge selling it, then you're going to have a challenge selling it. And so follow that sort of lean startup approach where you test a few things. And suddenly when you realize you're onto something that works, then you start selling it on your own website, taking a bit more marketing and, and, and sort of putting a bit more effort in. But before that, use these other channels as like a way for you to dip your toe into this sort of online space. Because take a lot takes a lot of the hassle away from from this for you. Mm. Don't forget to take away like the marketing plus the distribution component. So it's, it's great. But ultimately, you, you do want to own the customer at the same time, yeah. just like Take-A-Lot wants to do. Yeah. So I think you must be you must always be aware that you want to own the customer. But depending on where your business is in the life cycle, you can start testing things out through these channels and seeing how it goes. You, you've raised a really nice point, and it's a conversation that I've had over and over and over again on an ongoing basis because of the this online broadcasting world that that we live in the idea of owning data or owning the customer that that's that's real value there isn't it 100% i think i think and that's what amazon is trying to do in the us so i think what's interesting is that there's this disintermediation or disintermediational process happening between brands and the customers mm. and the people that are getting in the way are like the likes of amazon so let's take an example with the amazon echo so it's a little device you put in your house and you can talk to it and it's, it understands what you're saying. It can do things, switch on the lights. You can ask it to put on TV programs. You can ask it questions about the weather. Yep. But one of the things you can do is you can ask it to order products for you. So you can say, hey, Alexa, please order me batteries, triple A batteries. Yep. Now, notice how when I order those triple A batteries, I didn't say I want Duracell or EverReady mm. or a particular brand. And so what Amazon then does is Amazon goes, hmm, we'll ship them batteries, but we're going to ship them our own brand. Interesting. So yeah. I think like, I think I can't remember the stats, but like probably like 80% of all battery sales on Amazon are Amazon's own brand. Oh, wow. So I think that as Amazon starts identifying these channels or niches where people are becoming less brand aware or they're brand agnostic, Amazon's going to insert itself in there. As as selecting those brands for you, I think diapers, nappies, charging cables, and all those sort of things. And those are things that Amazon can sort of have the, or white label their own brands and sell those. And as Amazon starts to own the customer and no longer P and G and Unilever and those brands, I think it becomes quite interesting because Amazon's going to own the customer and the brand and become vertically integrated and then manage the whole process. It goes back to the question: Can you compete with these kind of guys? It's a, it's an incredible world that we're living in. Well, I think it's it's the world the, the world is is rife with disruption. We can say, and I mean, I mean, if you look back two years ago, there was no Amazon Echo, there was no Amazon. I think they've sold two million of the devices already. But they will, history tells us that there will be further disruption happening and what that would look like, we're not sure. But at the same time, they're not in South Africa at the moment, <laughs> which is also an opportunity. And I think there's other things that you can do to, that, that, to differentiate yourself from the Amazons. I think that like customer service, a unique experience, there's lots of other ways to differentiate yourself rather than price, 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 because that's not what it's about. So what are three of the biggest mistakes you see e-commerce platforms or e uh, businesses that are trying to go into the e-commerce space making on an ongoing basis? What, what are you seeing reoccurring? Well, the reoccurring theme we see is that they, they try to do everything themselves. 
Okay. So when you're an okay. online retail business and you try to do everything yourself, it's, it's not the best way to go about it because you can't be the expert in every field. Yeah, so in, in the case of Parcel Ninja, let them be, or let you, <laughs> speaking about you in the third person, <laughs> uh, let, let you be the, uh, the, the specialist there. Um, but what other areas are there that we are, certainly from an e-commerce perspective, maybe making mistakes in? So from, a tra- I guess, a transaction processing perspective, I use something that's a specialist? I think I I think what we, what the starting point probably, sorry to interrupt there. No, the starting no, no. point is I think being just being realistic of what the business is about and owning that. I think that's key to the whole thing. So knowing what it is and what it isn't is, is imperative. In other words, no, listen, we're not trying to build an Amazon business. We're trying to build a, this particular, it's like, and I guess this, the same applies to Cliff Central. You're not trying to be all things to all people. You're yeah. trying to target a specific market, um, with a specific value proposition. And so the same thing applies to your store is just understand what you're trying to do first. The next thing is don't try to do it all yourself. I'm not saying outsource everything, but you've got to outsource the stuff that's been commoditized and that's not core to the business. So the likes of if you need a little bit of help with Google, let someone teach you a little bit about it or read about it and then do it yourself. If you want help with logistics, maybe let us do it or read a little bit about it and try to do some of that. But, but get a competency in it first. But where can outsource that stuff? In other words, don't go and build your e-commerce site yourself. Just go onto one of these websites where they've got someone to do it, pay a little bit of money and get it done for you. But once they've done it, learn what they've done so you are uh, sort of au fait with it because you – you need to have a competency in it, but choose not to do it, if I can say that. Yeah, I understand. So, 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 so you don't want to be, you don't want to be, uh, incorrectly, you don't want people to incorrectly price the products or, or services to you, so you need to know what they're actually doing. So you need quite a broad knowledge of what's happening, but you can't do it all yourself, you won't have time. So, outsource what you can to people that you know are competent in that space, um, understand what they're doing so that can, you can question what they're doing, and do a lot of reading of what what others have done. That's also the there's a lot of knowledge out there. Just just copy what they're doing. But the truth is that that 99% of the stuff has actually been done before. You are not reinventing anything here. Mm. It's online retail. It's not that challenging. And so copy what other people are doing. Um, replicate. Use what they've got, and just go with that. What, what we see time and time again are guys trying to do all the things themselves, but outsourcing it without knowing. What it's actually about, mm. if I can say that. So, yeah. so pack a few boxes yourself, understand what you're getting yourself into, and then get rid of it as soon as you can. So, yeah. get a little bit of a competency in it, but don't do it the work yourself. We have unfortunately run out of time with you, Justin, but it's been a f- fascinating conversation. We appreciate it. One question before we part company, mm-hmm. and that is when is Parcel Ninja going to start using drones? Um, not in the foreseeable future, but who knows? <laughs> we actually okay. toyed around and looked at some of the opportunities. There's, I think drones are becoming more prolific than people realize, mm-hmm. and that's quite interesting. I think you should have a bit of a talk around that. I don't think people realize how much it's going to change the landscape, um, but it's not something we looked at yet in South Africa. It's not something we need. Mm. But I have actually, when I was in San Francisco, dealing with guys in the rest of Africa, they're starting to do it. Yeah, yeah. Funny uh, enough. But I mean, I guess that's for medicine or emergency, yeah. emergency equipment. So I think there's, there's definitely room for it, but not something that we're looking at. When you do release your first drone. We'll or, come here first. Okay? Yeah, come here first. <laughs> Just don't bring it because I'm, I'm a little concerned about this idea of AI and automation and uh, then taking drones. over the world. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. We're at the bottom of the queue. <laughs> Justin Drennan, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Um, Justin Drennan from Parcel Ninja. If you want to find out more, where do they go? ParcelNinja.com. Dot com. There we go. Nice and easy. Cheers, guys. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Have a good rest of your day. Cliffcentral.com.